0: So, Exodus 17 will begin in verse 8. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So, Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands. Now, get this picture in your mind. As Moses held up his hands, that Israel prevailed. So they're fighting. Joshua's leading the army down in the valley. They're fighting. Moses is up on the hill. And when he lifts his arms up, open with the rod in his hand, Israel is winning. And when the hands go down, Amalek is winning. Amalek prevailed. You got that picture in your mind. Moses' hands became very heavy. And so they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady, everybody say steady, until the going down of the sun. And so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua... I will utterly blot out out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is My Banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach you today hungry for the bread of life. And we acknowledge that there is no other place to get it than right here in your word. The world, man's philosophies, ideologies, lofty expressions of grandeur, poetic language, cosmic forces of the universe are empty wells that will not sustain or satisfy us, God. We need the bread of life that only you can provide. And so we approach your scripture, the holy text, reverently, humbly today, and we know that there can be no revelation apart from your spirit. Would you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear precisely at this moment in time, this kairos moment in time, what you want us to see and hear. And God, we would give you the glory and honor for every part of that that you choose to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me start out by asking you a question. Have you ever felt like you've been under attack? People are like, dude, I'm under attack right now, okay? Easy question. Have you ever felt like you are under attack? There's a lot of different kinds of attacks, would you agree with me on that? They can look a lot of different ways. Uh, I know when we were younger, my brothers and I and our buddies, you know, we were kids, we used to get in a lot of scraps, pastor guy, you know, scrappers, right, you know, and you'd shake hands after it, you'd move on, no, no big deal. Um, boys will be boys, I suppose, right? You know who else was a scrapper? This little lady in the front row. She always gets embarrassed when I tell you that. Pastor Mike, too. He's an MMA guy. He's just, you know. Uh, but, you know, most attacks that come against us, they're not physical attacks. Even in warfare, there are other types of uh, strategies enemies will use against opponents that are not always physical. There is psychological warfare. You've probably heard of that, where you mess with the mind of the enemy. You mislead, misdirect. Uh, there's cyber attacks that are designed now to infiltrate infrastructure, bring down grids, and they can render opponents helpless many times in their state of war. And so there are a lot of different kinds of attacks. Are you under attack? Have you ever been under attack? Maybe it's not physical, but maybe there are attacks that you've uh, had come against you that are assaults on your character. Maybe there are attacks against your reputation. Maybe there's slander, maybe there's gossip, maybe there are false accusations that have been made against you that you feel like you're just trying and trying and trying to fight against these things, but the attack just seems to increase as you do. Am I talking to anybody today? Have you ever felt like that? So if you've been under attack, the next question I would like to ask you is, what do you do when it happens? How do you respond? Because I think the Bible, and God specifically himself, his character, shows us there is a way for us as believers to handle this. There is a way for us to fight. There is a way for us to respond to attacks. And the title of the message, if you're taking notes today, is Our Defender. Our Defender. It's actually a part of who God is, who he wants to be. To his people, And actually in this story, we see for the very first time that God is revealed this way. I'll get to this in a minute. But the part where Moses says he makes a memorial and calls it God is my banner in the Hebrew, it's actually, uh, it, it's actually written Jehovah Nisi, which is a proper name of God with an attribute or characteristic of God. Okay, Nisi, which is to be a de, defender. So We'll get to that in a minute, but I want to show you a couple things because there's some really important details going on here. First of all, let's talk about Amalek. It says that Moses led the people out of Egypt. We know that there was deliverance from bondage and slavery. They came through the Red Sea. Um, they go through the wilderness for a bit. They arrive at this place that we see is called Rephidim, and Amalek comes down to fight with them. Now, Amalek is, uh, was a person, but it's not a person in this story Uh, Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Jacob and Esau were brothers, right? And Amalek uh, was the grandson of Esau. These are the descendants of Amalek. We know them in the Bible as the Amalekites. Okay, so they're a people. And they come down to attack Israel at this valley, this place called Rephidim. Something interesting to note about the Amalekites is they were known as a nomadic people, which means that they really didn't have anything of their own, their means, of survival mostly were met by plunder. They would attack and take. And what they took is what they survived on. That's what typically nomads did. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like an enemy you know? He doesn't really have anything of his own. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me say it another way. He wants everything God gives you. He just wants to take it from you so you don't have it. He wants to take it away from you. And Israel is actually, the people of God are in this early stage moment. Like right in the beginning, think about this, they've come out of Egypt. They just left bondage and slavery. They've just been delivered. There's a, there's a picture of actually the, the new birth in the Christian faith right here. A new believer just getting delivered from the bondage of sin and slavery. And they're walking now into a new destiny. And guess what the enemy does? He wakes up. He wakes up and he says, somebody is now advancing into a destiny that God has prepared for them. And he comes down to meet them and hit them and hit them early. Because he knows if he can stop the momentum quick, if he can derail them in the beginning, and let's face it, an attack, especially one we don't see coming, when we're trying to move forward in the things of God, maybe you're a new believer, you're just following Christ, I'm, I'm sure you're probably meeting resistance by now. You move in the things of God, you're going to make enemies. It's just going to happen. There's a picture here, I think, of stepping into something new, a new prophetic revelation that God gives us for our life, a new season, a new territory he wants us to take, we move forward to advance. And guess what? The enemy wakes up. He knows there's advancement happening, and he comes down, and he wants to hit the people of God, and he wants to hit them early. Because if an attack can derail them and keep them from getting momentum, then he can hit them before they actually even get started. I remember one time, uh, my brother and I, we went fishing And we went out, and I had the lure that he didn't have, and I was just catching big bass on this lure that afternoon. And every time I caught another one, he would just kind of get more frustrated, you know, because he didn't have that lure. And so he went out that week, and he bought a brand new shiny lure, just like the one that I had. And he's like, we need to go back out there. And so we went back out there. And we're kind of trolling down the bank, and he gets his pole out. I mean, he's just, you know, beaming. He's ready to go. I guess he thought they were going to jump in the boat, you know. He's just hes so excited and so amped up that he takes the rod, and he takes the lure, and he's and it just goes right up into the trees. (laughs) That lure never saw water. (laughs) It was over before it started. Uh and the enemy he's cunning. I mean, let's acknowledge this. The Bible says we've got to be wise to his schemes, right? He's cunning and he just he knows when people are moving into the things of God, when God's, you know, moving in their life and he wants to come and he wants to stop that. He wants to use opposition, enemies to attack Uh, to try to prevent us from going forward in the things that God has for us. Now, here's something I want you to see, a couple of really amazing parts of this. Number one, um, there are three major events that take place after the deliverance from Egypt and through the Red Sea before they get the Ten Commandments, three major things that happen. And each of those three things are points where God is demonstrating that his people need to trust him for these things. The first one was bread. Remember that manna from heaven? God rained it down out of the sky as if to say, you can't get this on your own. That's huge. He says, you're going to have to learn to trust me for food. The next thing was water. Moses struck a rock and water came out. There's no water in the desert. They would die of thirst. God said, you're going to have to trust me for your life, the necessities of life, food and water. Here's what's very amazing to me. The third thing that they come to is this point where they realize they're going to have to trust God to defend them in battle. Because when they show up to Rephidim, it's in between Canaan and Egypt. It's in between deliverance and destiny. You see that? And so they're on their way to the promised land, but it's very early, and they are not ready for war. They are not an army yet. Israel became a mighty army under many generals and warriors. Joshua would be the first after this moment. But they're a long way away from that. They just came out of Egypt. They've been making bricks and building pyramids. They haven't been wielding swords, shooting bows, you understand, spears. They're not not equipped for that. So how did they get there? Listen to this, and please hear me on this, and this, this may... Jack, with your theology a little bit, okay? But God led them to this battle. This is what I want you to think about. They got to Rephidim because the cloud by day and the fire by night led them to this place. So, what am I trying to say? God will actually lead, Oh man, God will actually lead you to places in your life where He knows you're going to be attacked. Why would He do that? Because he knows that he's ready to defend you. He knows that he wants to secure a victory for you. And he knows that even though you may not think you're ready, if he's led you there, you're ready. And what's required is that you will trust him to secure the victory. And if you will, he'll add something to you through the experience that he knows you need in the next season that you don't know you need right now. Wow. And they get to this place and they've got to trust God for that. He can use our enemies for our good, right? God, we see it all through scripture. It's a principle. There are people on earth. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter two. It says that the prince of the power of the air who is Satan is at work in the sons of disobedience. These are not demonic spirits. These are people, specifically unbelievers, not filled with the spirit of God. So they are completely vulnerable to the sway of the wicked one. Take that in. God uses unbelievers as pawns to attack the advancements of God's will in other people's lives who are believers. Hmm. But this is what it, the encouragement is: God can use all of that for your good. <laughs> David's strolling along one day when his son Absalom is attacking him, and there is this uh, descendant of Saul named Shimei. And Shimei is cursing David. He's throwing rocks at David and his soldiers along the road. And David's, one of David's mighty men, Abishai, he says to David, can I just go cut off his head and be done with this? We need friends like that, right? Abishai, love the guy. He says, just let me cut off his head and just end this thing. He's cursing you. He's throwing stones at us. You know what David says? This is so huge. David says, no, let him be. God is using my enemy for my good right now. I don't know, but there's, just, there's something in this. Just leave him be. God will fight for us. And I just want to encourage you in that, that you may feel like you're under attack. You may feel like things are coming against you that you don't understand. You may be trying to defend yourself out of the battle and it ain't working. You need to step back and realize God is going to defend you, and he can actually use your enemies in the attack that he's allowing for your good in the end. Oh, it's it's kind of a hard concept to think about, but I think it encourages us because, let's face it, attacks are inevitable, and we need a good response for them. Never waste a good attack. (laughs) We say it like that. Let's look at Moses now in this story. He goes up. And he's got a staff in one hand. And I've studied lots of commentaries and theologians on the staff of Moses. A lot of thoughts on that. You know, it goes all the way back to the burning bush. And he said, come. And he said, what do I do? He said, well, what do you got? It's a rod. So here's the main thing I feel that staff means. And you see this by almost everybody agrees. It represents just bringing what you got. It, It represents... Just, just showing up. You remember what Moses said to Joshua? He said, uh, tomorrow I'll go up on the hill and you'll go down and fight. They've already arrived at the battle scene. I guess it didn't happen and start immediately, so they had a little bit of a delay before they went to war. But I love this response from Moses. They're not ready for war. They're not an army. And he says, pick an army. I'm going to go up on the hill. I'm going to hold up the staff that got us through the Red Sea, and then God's going to fight for us. He says, we're not running from this fight. We need spiritual resolve. We need to know that even though we get hit from an enemy, if God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is he who's in me than he who's coming against me. And that's the response. I'm not running from this fight. I'm not ducking my tail and taking off. I'm standing my ground, and we're going to face this enemy head on, and God's going to deliver us from this battle. And he takes this staff, this rod, which means bring what you got. Show up. Be ready to fight. Well, I'm not ready, Pastor. I haven't read the whole Bible yet, Pastor. I haven't been through all the next steps, Pastor. Show up with what you got. God knows what you got. He's asking for all of you, not more than you. He knows where you are. He just wants you to show up. Bring the rod that you have in your hand. You know, we got Thanksgiving coming up this week, and many of us probably have a family member who's hosting and was have all of us over. And just think about how interesting or funny it would be if you asked the person who's hosting, hey, I'm excited to come over. Can I bring anything? And they said, yeah, actually, you know what? Do you mind bringing the turkey? <laughs> or maybe, are you, maybe, maybe there's a big barbecue going on, you know? And you're like, hey, uh, I've, thank you so much for inviting me to the barbecue. Can I bring anything? Um, yeah, you know what? Do you mind smoking like 12 slabs of ribs and four or five briskets for the next 14 hours before you come? We got the sides covered. <laughs> uh, oh, I was kind of thinking brownies, but okay. Okay. Uh. <laughs> the one in charge takes care of the main course. What's God saying? Just show up and bring what you got. I got the main course covered. I got the victory covered. I got the defender part covered. You can't go into a battle without me. But if I go in there before you, the victory will already be secured. But I need you to show up with what you got and fight this fight with me. His arms are raised in a posture of surrender. He understands that God is the one who brings the victory. And then something interesting begins to happen. While he's up there, you remember that part in the story, while his arms are up, they're winning, and as his arms go down, they start losing. We stay surrendered, we stay in victory. We stop being surrendered and start letting go of God having the control and taking it back, then the battle begins to kind of shift back the other way. But listen, something very real, something very human is happening here. He's getting weary in battle. You got to see this. It's a humanness revealed. He's getting weary. Try holding your arms above your head as long as, not right now, just... <laughs> youth. <laughs> I love them. Uh, try holding your arms sometime above your head as long as you can. And everybody has a threshold, but nobody can do it forever, right? So he's holding his arms up. His humanness is revealed. He gets weary. You got to know this. You're going to come under attack. God is a defender of ours. You get weary in battle. As you get weary in battle, you need to know that there are two major things that you have to allow yourself. One, you need to be refreshed. When you fight hard, you need to recover. Physical rest is needed. Spiritual rest is needed. Times in the presence of God need to increase in moments of recovery from significant battles. Okay, this is huge. But let me tell you the other thing you need, and this is all through Scripture. It's all through Scripture. I can show you dozens of places where this principle exists. But here's as good a one as any. You need other people to come along and pick up your arms. You need other people to come along and lift your hands. I can tell you, I've had my arms lifted. I know the relief it brings. Every one of us need that don't have godly friends and godly people around you, you're missing something significant that you need in your life. You see, God's the God of the miraculous, agreed? He could have gave him supernatural strength to keep his arms up. Think about this. But he did not. God intentionally by design created a need and a space for us to need other Come along and lift up our arms in times of battle. Choose your friends well. Choose your friends well. Because you're going to need them if you're going to fight the kind of battles that you're going to fight as you're pursuing God's destiny for your life. And the last thing on this is that after the for Aaron and her, Aaron's his brother and her, I'm pretty sure it's his brother-in-law, I think that was Miriam's husband, sister, you know, close family and friends. They lift his arms up. When after that happens, I love this. It says that Moses' arms were steady till the going down of the sign. Steady. Steadfast. Poised. in war when people panic people die you got to keep your head you got to stay steady when they came along and propped up his arms and he had that reinforcement of support now his hands were steady until the going down of the sun which means he was steady steadfast poised and collected through the finishing of the victory of Let me tell you something, I get it, I know, an attack, it can knock us off our game, it can derail us, it can throw us off, it can really shift us out of a place where we want to be. But you are not meant by God to have a shaky, fearful posture. You are meant to have a steady hand, a sound mind, and a calm spirit, and that's what a warrior looks like. So if you find yourself not having your wits about you, your spirit isn't calm, you're agitated and tormented, your mind isn't sound, you're bothered by all kinds of thoughts running wild, and anxiety is there. If you're not steady... You're shaky, you're trembling, you're fearful. That is not the way that God has designed you to go to battle. He wants you to have a sound mind. He wants you to have a calm spirit, and he wants you to have a steady hand. And once Moses' hands became steady, the final victory in the battle began to finish off. And this last point here has to do with what Moses did to complete this whole journey. This whole battle. He made a memorial. And in the memorial, he said, or he named it, this is, uh, God is my banner, or our banner, which is translated Hebrew, Jehovah Right? And so Jehovah is the proper name of God. It's what he was referred to by the people. And, for example, Jehovah uh, Rapha, healer, Jehovah Jireh is provider, Jehovah Shalom is peace. Our pe- So God says, this is who I am, my character. You know me, you relate to me, these are a part of what you have with me. Well, Nisi means banner or victory. And it was actually used in other places in scripture to describe like uh, a, f- a banner or a flag of victory being elevated up on a pole so that they would look up, they would rally around it, they would get uh, you know, rallied for, for battle because they knew that this banner represented victory. To say it another way, it was a distinguishing mark of God's people. Distinguishing mark. And it's a dis- meant to be a distinguishing mark for you and I. We are meant to be known by those around us as people who are victorious through Christ. When they went to the promised land, all of the neighbors around them began to hear the stories. Oh, the God of Israel fights for those people. They are victorious. Do not go up against them. They're, we are meant to be marked by a distinguishing factor, which is that we are victorious and triumphant. We are overcomers in a world where there is sin and death. And all around could see that. There's this principle that God shows that he says, when you come into battle, do not fear because I am the one who will fight for you. God's not fighting for both sides. It's the principle of divine assistance. When there's a battle, if there's an enemy, God is fighting for one side and not for the other. He's using one side for the victory, but he's fighting for one. God is fighting. For you, not your enemy. (laughs) My kids, when we play games and we'll do things, you know, they'll be like, hey, Dad, who are you rooting for? You know, they'll be playing Mario Kart or whatever. Which one are you rooting for? Who do you hope wins, Dad? And it's like, oh, I'm rooting for all of you guys, you know. Well, God doesn't do that. He's not fighting for your enemy. He's fighting for you, his child, his son, his daughter. He is against the forces of evil and the designs of Satan. He is on your side. He is your defender. And he says, I want you, I need you to know me as Jehovah Nissi. I need you to see me as your victim banner because if you're going to go into battle and try to defend yourself against the enemy of darkness you don't stand a chance but if you go in knowing that i am your victory then you will see yourself triumphant through everything that he tries to bring against you to fulfill your destiny hallelujah i've reflected back a lot early on in my walk with the lord where God revealed this, this revelation to me. And it was at a period where I felt like Katie and I both were under just immense attack, mainly against character, reputation, intentions. You know, well for God, moving forward, totally misunderstood by people who weren't going the same way. And it was so painful. And it was like, well, I got to, ex- no, let me just clarify this. Let me clarify that. Let me explain myself. Let me, let me fix that, you know. And I just, I just got wore out. <laughs> wore out trying to clear up the misunderstandings. And the more I tried, it seemed like the worse it got. Have you ever been in a spot like that? Like, well, no. How, how, how do you get that? No, that's, and then it just keep, kept getting worse. I felt like my efforts were like, I was just digging this hole deeper and deeper. <laughs> and God began to show this to me in my time of desperation in pursuing him. He said, son, <laughs> I need you to know me as your defender. You gotta know me as Jehovah Nissi. You gotta know that I I'm the defender of your reputation. And it's not on you. If your heart is right, and you've done what you can, you need to let this thing go, and you need to move on, and you need to get to marching. Because as Winston Churchill says, if you stop to throw stones at every dog that barks along the way, you'll never arrive at your destination. Never. And it was so freeing for me. (laughs) It was like liberation i'm out from under the need and the burden to try to defend myself through all these attacks and it's changed my life and i'm telling you as god has elevated influence and take us, taken us into other places those things have actually increased around us in our lives And I'm not going to say that I'm just like totally, you know, smooth and cool all the time. I mean, they hurt me too. They tear. They cut. They hurt. But I have found a place in our God where I can go through that and my spirit be at rest and at peace. Where my wife and my children can still get what they need from me. And I have been totally derailed by an attack of an enemy that tries to get me out of being who God has called me to be. And only the peace and assurance that we get from knowing God is our defender can give us that. That'd be a good praise to give God praise. Hallelujah. And I'll close with this because when we get to that point, you know what that does? It, f- it really frees us up to go to the final level of this thing that Jesus calls us up to, which is pray for your enemies. (laughs) Do not return evil for evil. Our Lord and Savior, it says that when they reveled him, he reveled not in return. I mean, we can say we pray for our enemies, right? But when we trust God to defend us, it just frees us to say, I'm going to pray for them, and I mean it, <laughs> because God's got me, and I'm not afraid of what they can do to me. I don't mind taking a punch. That's fine, but I'm not afraid of what they can do to me, because I serve one who's already secured the victory for me, and when I know that, my heart is free. To pray for them in a way that I cannot do if my heart's not there. And that's the beauty of knowing God for who He is. Amen? I'm going to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes. <clears throat> what is the battle? What is the attack? What are you being hit with right now? Are you swinging your arms in the air when. Feel like you're trying to dig yourself out of a ditch, but it just keeps getting deeper. Have you seen God as your defender? Has he revealed himself to you that way? Perhaps is he doing that today? Hallelujah. Yes, Spirit of God. Like there's a a great encouraging spirit moving right now in this place, encouraging hearts. You know, we can, we can oftentimes try to do a, way too much on our own and make a bigger mess of things. God said, will you throw your hands up today?
1: <laughs>
0: will you lift your arms? Surrender? Will you trust me for the victory? have some people around you who are trying to come alongside and hold up your arms maybe you haven't let them yet let's see this thing through let's see this victory because there's more battles coming and you need to know that you're an overcomer those who are born of god overcome the world only when you look up to see Christ on the cross only when you are at the feet of the cross can you really see why you have this we have this place with God because of what Jesus has done for us because of the punishment he took and the sacrifice he made he paved a way for you and I to know God this way Nisi, Defender among all others Savior, Lord, you're here today and you say, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to lay it down. I need to throw my arms up and stop trying to control my own life. I need to have a come to the feet of Jesus moment today. And maybe it's the first time, maybe it's you've been running and going your own direction for quite a while and you just need to get back to walking with him. Either of those situations describe you. I'd like to ask you to respond to an invitation. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but that invitation is coming to Jesus today. I'm going to give my life to him, surrender. I want to be saved, or I want to get back to walking with him. If you're here in this place today and that's your prayer, the spirit of God is tugging and drawing at your heart right now, and you know that, would you just lift up your hand? I can see who you are, so I can lead you in this prayer and be bold. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand. Yep. Just shoot it up and then you can put it back down after I've seen you. Good. I see those. God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand. One more moment. Just Spirit of God, hugging on people's hearts. Yes, sir, I see your hand. God bless you. Hallelujah. Just let this be your prayer today. Father God, I come to the foot of the cross. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Would you forgive me? Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you wash me clean? Would you make me into the person that you've created me to be? I need you. I'm desperate for you. Without you, there is no hope. There's no hope. But in you, there is hope and assurance for my soul. And so I commit my life to you today. Do with it as you will. It is in your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen. let's stand to our feet let's just kind of close by giving the lord maybe a little bit of a victory a little bit of a victory praise right defender oh pastor guy's looking at me like i got three heads over here victory defender all right you got something there i'm sure it'll be good all right
1: i hate when he does that to me you know defenders on the schedule two weeks out so sorry we just wasn't tuned for that come on I just feel like this song always connects when we sing, Great Are You, Lord. Our defender, our provider, our healer, and our banner. Come on. In all the earth, Jehovah, yes, you are. Great are you, Lord. You're my healer, God, my banner. You are. Great are you, Lord. In this place of my heart, Oh, you are. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath and my love. It's your breath.
0: That's what I meant. Uh, uh, man, hey, all the folks here today, you're new, you're visiting. I'm so excited again that you came. If you felt a little tight in the place today, uh, no worries. We're making room. And so I just ask all who are part of Life Church X continue to pray the next month, month and a half. Uh, big, big time for us. God's leading us through the final processes of closing on our new facility. By the end of the year, we should be able to say, It's ours. And so may you go in the peace and favor of God. May his countenance shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. And may he give you peace. And you take that peace. And you spread it. And you share it with all around you. As you meet with family and friends this week at Thanksgiving. Celebrate. Be thankful. For all of the many blessings that we have in Christ. Amen. God bless you all. Have a beautiful day.